Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And this morning, we talked a little bit about some of the crazy COVID stuff that's going on, which we, but we tried to relate it to the Kingdom and the search for the Kingdom. And we tried to put out, point out the fact that transhumanism, which is behind the world reset, the Great Reset of the what do they call it? World Economic Forum. You can look it up, World Economic Forum, probably .org. And uh, Klaus, put in that word, that'll show up. But Soros and all these guys want to change the way in which the systems of the world work. It's not a really big change. It's just kind of a completion in that change. We have been moving more and more towards socialism for the last 100 years, which is why we have all the economic problems that we have today. It's not capitalism. It's socialism, you know, Federal Reserve notes, uh, uh, Social Security, uh, centralizing the power of government. In order to have a government that can give you everything you want, you have to have a government strong enough to take everything away from you that you have. And so when Israel wanted to have a king, they just were giving them a little power to kind of run the army. And uh, they were still financing the army through uh, free will offerings. And a voluntary army, but he was the commander-in-chief. And so people were kind of obeying him. But uh, not entirely, but it was moving in that direction. And what eventually that led to is that he forced an offering. And in forcing an offering, he sins that was considered such a bad sin that Samuel said that your kingdom would not stand. And eventually he fell on his own sword. And you saw David taking over. David made lots of mistakes as well because men were not meant to have such power over other men. But And it's a great temptation. And of course Christ is the only one that I've seen that really overcame that temptation. Even even was tempted to exercise authority, to strike the rock, so to speak, to make the water flow, which is actually symbols, again, metaphors, for how they were really operating their system. Well, because we've unmoored the symbols of that system, nobody knows how the system of God works hardly anymore, and everybody's under a strong delusion, and one of the strongest forms of that delusion is the World Economic Forum, and a lot of the people who think like that, which includes the idea of transhumanism. They... They think that they can make man better from the outside. They, that if you eat of this knowledge of good and evil and how to do this, that, and the other, from gene splicing to GMOs to, to, uh, you know, doing everything better, living through chemistry, you know, drugs, etc., that you will be able to develop a stronger, faster, smarter, brighter man. None of that will work. It will all decay and fall apart. I mean, I'm not against technology. I'm not opposing technology. But the idea that technology can and education can be the driving force in humanity and make men better, it doesn't work that way. The way men get better is that they uh, change internally. 
They change spiritually. They change uh, mentally. In other words, that's what we call writing upon your hearts and upon your minds. Your heart, the same word we see for, uh, well actually the same word we see for mind is sometimes translated soul. So if the mind is the soul and the mind, what's the heart? Uh, the heart has a lot to do with intent. So changing the way a person's intent in life is operating. Because see, intent is what makes the crime. You can speed down the road to save somebody's life and now you haven't committed a crime of speeding. You have, If you actually went slower than the speed limit and somebody died, you could be held responsible for going too slow. He said, well, I had to stay in the speed limit. Yeah, but the guy was bleeding to death in the back seat. If you didn't get to the hospital to stop the bleeding, he was going to die. Yeah, well, I knew that, but it was a 25-mile-an-hour speed zone, so I had to go slow and let the guy bleed to death. Well, that's negligence. you know. So what breaks the law is intent. Intent to break the law. It's not... It's not what you do. Now, I'll admit that in the courts, they don't quite see it that way a lot of the time. But uh, the fact is is that you can often argue the fact that your intention was to do the right thing. And you were thought it out. And you were doing this. And, you know, maybe something bad occurred from it. But there was a saying in olden and ancient Rome that the end justifies the means. That it, getting to the end will justify you. Well, it's that's actually changed from the means justifies the ends. Because that's the original thing. If you do things the way God wants you to do them, you will produce the proper ends. If you just, you say, well, we want to get rid of the hungry in the world and the poor in the world, so we're going to give them all guaranteed wage and guaranteed amount of money so they can buy their food. And uh, that is a good thing, because we've ended poverty. But the means by which you do that will determine the outcome. Intent will clarify or cloud your mind so that you cannot implement the righteous ways of God that give life. That's what God is, is the life giver. He is the creator. He produces life. If you uh, go through life trying to make things happen out of your own personal ambition, you will actually cause the opposite thing to happen. It's built into nature that you intent will produce the final outcome. So anyway, we were talking about transhumanism is going to try to make men better. They will actually make men worse. And we see that every day with drugs. That people are taking uh, antidepressant drugs and, you know, it says right on the bottle that it may cause uh, thoughts of suicide. And many people who take antidepressants end up committing suicide. And of course, they don't blame it on the Medication, because they want to believe in the medication, they blame it on the fact that they already had problems to begin with. Although their problem before wasn't that they wanted to create, uh, commit suicide, that they just felt depressed. Well, why did they feel depressed? Nobody wants to address that question. I, I was listening to, uh, uh, 
is it Yami Parks, who was talking about that uh, we didn't even have a word for being depressed in their country. They s- struggled in North Korea to survive. They were trying to get enough food and get enough uh, shelter and get enough warmth. And that preoccupied in the idea of being depressed and you didn't have time to de- be depressed. It's kind of like the old joke, well, I didn't have time to fall down. And uh, the reality is is that the more we move towards getting rid of depression with uh, drugs and medication, the more depression we seem to have. And you can go through country after country and observe this same phenomena. It's because the drugs, the cigarettes, the, the uh, distractions, the immoral distractions are not made to help you cope with stress. They help you to avoid stress. If you want to cope with stress, you have to face stress. That's the thing they used to always tell you in the Forest Service when they were teaching you how to operate Forest Service vehicles is you always face danger because you're safer off facing the danger than in fleeing from the danger. So uh, the reality is, is it's the same thing with depression and the same thing with anxiety is that there's a cause and you have to find out what it is. Now, that's a problem because people often can't properly identify the cause of their problem. And we see this all the time in society. Their problem is the Democrats or the Democrats' problem is the Republicans or my problem is the way they made these roads or my problem is the, you know, it's always somebody else who's stupid in doing this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I was trying to do something the other day and I was actually a little bit under the weather and fighting uh, some pain issues and some difficult issues. Uh, and I noticed that, you know, I was trying to listen to something and a washing machine was running. And I actually could feel myself desiring to become angry at the washing machine because <laughs> it was making so much noise I couldn't hear what I wanted to hear. And that's what you do when... You begin to slip out of the Holy Spirit. You become distracted from walking in the Holy Spirit. Is that you want to blame conditions on other things. Well, that doesn't promote healing. That doesn't promote life. Uh, to condemn others or other things in the universe as the problem is a problem. And so we have to learn and turn around and go away from that. And so that you not only are forgiving one another, but you're forgiving the washing machine. (laughs) You're forgiving the uh, movement of the planets, uh, the coming of winter. Uh, you, You cannot blame your condition on other things. You have to accept it with patience and love and then you will be able to cope with it in more and more uh, ways that you cannot even imagine because there's an energy that flows through life. This is why there's so much life on this planet is this energy is there. What you want to do is draw that energy to your life but if you try to accumulate that energy for your own selfish purposes the opposite will occur. You want to share that energy of life, that that equation of life, that mathematic equation of life with others. You want to receive the life, but you want to pass it on to others. This begins to awaken 
certain and organize certain aspects of your own being, your internal organs, your spiritual organs, your spiritual way of thinking, is that you're receiving life and you're giving it away. You're laying down your life so that you may pick up life more abundant. This is how you get that conduit of life flowing through you. This is an everyday thing you can do with almost everybody and everywhere you go. You're riding the subway or you're uh, dealing with livestock or you're dealing with uh, your neighbor is that if you deal with them with a forgiving heart and a patient heart and are willing to lay down your life, willing to suffer the pain, willing to carry the burden for others and not with resentment, not with judgment. See, what's happening when you begin to operate from resentment and judgment is you're playing God. You're thinking God doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to do this differently. And that's not what you want to do. You want to go with the flow and allow the flow of God in your heart and in your mind. Now, that sounds a little metaphysical, and of course it is metaphysical, but that's exactly what Christ was trying to tell you when he said, Seek the kingdom of God, which is the government of God. And we've told you a lot on how the government of God operates. But also to seek the righteousness of God. So you want you want to feed the hungry, you want to feed the poor, you want to take care of the widows and orphans, but you want to do it in a righteous way. It is, and we have a whole list of things that God would say are counter-righteousness. You know, the, the Ten Commandments. And I'm sure we've got recordings up somewhere on the Ten Commandments and on the pages about the Ten Commandments. And uh, uh, you can go and look that up on your own at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. And uh, you'll see... How what the Ten Commandments were really all about. They had nothing to do with what you're doing on Saturday or Sunday. That's not what the the Sabbath is all about. Keeping the Sabbath is about staying out of debt. It's it's about not taking a reward before you've earned it. Of course that's capitalism. Capitalism is not, I mean, capitalism in its purest form. I'm not talking about corporate capitalism or crony capitalism or political capitalism. Capitalism is not a political system. It's not really even an economic system. It's an individual rights system. You produce it, it's yours. Your children are yours. What you manufacture is yours. What you dig up out of the ground is yours. What, you know, uh, now... How does that work when you put 7 billion people on the earth? Well, then you're going to have to have a lot of forgiveness and a lot of love for other people. Capitalism won't work without love. Absolutely will not work without love. But neither will socialism. But the fact is, socialism can function without love. Oh, it claims to care about the poor and making everybody equal and creating an equal playing field. We hear that rhetoric all the time and they they think they can build it better that's the phrase you're hearing out of these uh, transhumanists uh, in Europe that are putting this together and now many of them are here in America and of course that's actually the Biden campaign is now using uh, that as his slogan we can build it better Uh, the reality is they can't build it better unless their heart is filled with the character of God the Spirit of God. And you can't just, you can say the right words, 
you know, can't we all get along? You know, that's that's what Rodney King was saying. Can't we all get along? But Rodney King continued to drink, continued to take drugs, and continued to get into all kinds of troubles and, and problems because he was not willing to deal with the darkness in his own heart. And this is, I mean, you've seen it in your Star Wars movies and everything else, that you have to deal with the darkness in your own heart. And that's one of the beautiful things about the kingdom, about the idea of sitting down into the tens, hundreds, and thousands. That takes, which is what was commanded by Christ, that takes a lot of forgiveness. I mean, you can sit in a room for 500 people in a big cathedral with a thousand people and you can seem to get along with everybody because you have no interpersonal connection with those people. But in real life, if you sat down in a ten-family congregation and you got together and you tried to help one another out, you're going to have to deal with the actual real person. With a washing machine in the room that's making too much noise. With uh, the, uh, the, the drugs and the lying and the deceit that people often bring to a congregation. They may not be real bad at it, but if they do a little bit of it, it can be irritating. But if you're coming in the name of Christ, you're coming with the intention of forgiving. You're coming that they, even though they've got all kinds of problems, might be saved. If you're not coming together in that spirit, you're not coming in the name of Christ. You're not coming in the name of Jesus, and you're not coming in the name of Yahushua, or Yadavah, or Yahweh, or anybody. You're coming in your own name. So you have to come in forgiveness, and you have to come wanting to have life more abundant for others equal to yourself. That's equality. That's where you will find equality. You will not find equality in trying to take away from your neighbor and redistribute his wealth to other people. You can take away from yourself and redistribute wealth to other people, but you don't have any right to take away from your neighbor. And that's that's why that thou shalt not covet is written in there in the Ten Commandments. And thou shalt not steal is written in there. And thou shalt not murder is written in there. And that you have to deal in the moment. See, debt is created in the moment because you consume some of the future and pass the responsibility on to others. And uh, you, so the kingdom of God is in the moment. So that's where you have to deal with the issues and the problems of life and and. Borrowing against the future, especially the future of your children, is not keeping the Sabbath. That's why it's so close. You find that commandment so close to the commandment about honoring thy father and thy mother. You know, because if your parents are borrowing against the future, they're cursing their children. If the children are not honoring their father and mother and caring for their father and mother, they're their days, their own days, will not be long upon the land. This is why all Ten Commandments can be summed up in these two commandments of Christ. Just like the Ten Commandments are a summation of all the commandments that we see in Egypt, in the laws of Egypt, back before uh, Moses left Egypt. 
Now, of course, people took all those laws and they distorted them and twisted them and oppressed one another. But all that came about because they they didn't follow all the laws. And one of the key laws they didn't follow is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. So that's why we go to the end of the commandments to find out where you, you've really broken all of the commandments. You've made covenants with other gods, other men who can decide how to distribute the good the goods of society, the the sweat and labor of society. You made agreements to give them power to make that decision. And you supposedly retain the power to vote, and yet you know all your voting machines have been susceptible, susceptible to hacking and corruption since they were originally installed. People testified. I've seen the testimony over and over again from experts saying that all these machines, the Dominion machines and everything... This is not newly discovered for this election. It's been known for a long time. And the Republicans didn't do anything about it before because there are Republicans that are corrupt. And they thought they could use that for their advantage. You know, the fix is in. You know, in, in some of the past elections, I said, oh, well, why did they pick that person? I must be the designated loser. This is why you see all the presidents getting along with each other and patting each other on the back and being in agreement, even though they were from opposing parties and even sometimes ran against each other, is because of the fact that they're really on the team of power. And everybody else is abiding by the teams of power because they want the benefits. Show me the Republican that wants no financial gain or benefit through money collected by taxes. They are rare, far more rare than you can think of. They think we can manage that money better. But even David, who was way better than Saul as far as, I mean, Saul was a great guy before he, they gave him the power. The power corrupted him. David was corrupted too, but David was a king after God's own heart, so he repented. He couldn't undo some of the bad things that he had done. And so he suffered with that until the day he died, and, and the kingdom suffered long after his death. Solomon broke every rule in the book. And the son of Solomon, Rehoboam, Rehoboam uh, he, he said, My father whipped you with scorpions, or, or I whipped you with whips, I shall whip you with scorpions. Because it all came about because the people decided to have somebody else fix it for them. They wanted a leader to give that leader enough power to fix it. I don't want, I and my family will not rule over you. Uh, not that anybody's trying to give me power. That's, you know, it's funny when we're called a cult. Because a cult wants power over you. I want you to take your power back, your choices back. I want you to sit down in free assemblies and care about one another with forgiveness and love in your heart. In real ways that make a difference. That will cause you to have to lay down part of your wealth, part of your power, part of your uh, livelihood. The time, the life you've given you. Lay down part of your life in hope that you may pick up life more abundant. It's not a sell anything. Now, we could tell you lots and lots, and we have told people lots and lots more how the kingdom works. But until you sit down in that, you will not understand it. 
So, anyway, I talked briefly this morning with uh, Brother Paul and others, uh, and I'm going to be letting the... uh, uh, We have a group called the Contact Ministers or the PCMs, Personal Contact Ministers, which includes the ministers, supposedly includes the ministers. I assume they're all on that. If you're a minister and you're not on that group, you need to find out how to get on that group. Talk to somebody and they'll help you get on that group. That's your responsibility to do that. And uh, if you're a minister, you should have a name and a picture up and identify yourself at preparing you. If you don't know how to do it, talk to somebody and he will help show you how to do it. And then you start gathering a congregation. And, and of course, you can't even become a minister until you've gathered at least two people who picked you as a minister. That's their vote. And they give something, freely give something to you to use for the purposes of Christ, not for your purposes. That's a big responsibility. Because if you use it for your own uh, purposes, then you've just robbed Christ. (laughs) So, you don't want to do that. I I encourage you not to do that. So, the point is, is in order to join the network at Preparing You, the network links are very clear. Uh, You sign on to these, what we call the Google Groups or so that we can send you messages in, in minutes all over the country, all over the world, and you'll get that message. And no you know, no filters will filter it out unless you create them. So the reality is is that when you go to sign up, you have to be approved. And that's the job of the ministers. And just recently, uh, I went in, somebody called me up and I went in to check and see what they seemed to be having a problem with one thing. The Kingdom News List has problems with certain people. But uh, the uh, Google Groups, if you sign up for that, you can get instantaneous notices all over the world uh, for those who can get access to the different groups. I can get access to all of them and other people can do the same. But we don't inundate you with a lot of messages because we want you to interact on this local basis. That's what the groups are designed so that you can find people in your local area. So if you do put together a congregation in your local area, it is absolutely essential that the minister in your local area is trying to connect other people in other areas with you. This was absolutely essential to the early church. Which is why Paul, right out of the box, was able to go to Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus and Syria and even Great Britain, believe it or not, and connect with people there because the early church was this network. And they were able to bring uh, emergency supplies, knew what was needed and how to get it there because of this vast communication system that the uh, Christians had put together. You need to be doing that now, too. If your minister is just serving you, and your immediate congregation is not connecting you with all the other congregations, he is not seeking the kingdom of God. He is seeking his kingdom in his little congregation. And he is probably feeding you delusional information about interpretations in the Bible. And he will not even know it. Because he he will be made blind. That's the thing. If you do not follow what Christ is clearly telling you and other people have reminded you, you will lose your vision of the kingdom. You will have a vision of the kingdom, but it will be idolatry. 
because it is born out of your imagination instead of the truth. So anyway, when I I went in because I was talking to somebody in, in another state and they were having this trouble, I I saw that other people had been applying to get on that group, and a lot of people uh, were actually waiting, not just in the last few days, but some had been waiting for months in different groups. Now I don't know all of the groups that were doing it right and had the contact ministers and ministers uh, letting these people onto these groups. But uh, you can go in. They, they have access to the group. Everybody doesn't have access to the to see the whole list of members. But they they have access because they've been chosen by other people. And so we see them doing the work of the kingdom. And so we give them access so they can see inside the group where they're on. And so they can go in there and they you go over there and you click the little arrow above the date of when a person joins. And it will organize everybody and do the, a list according to when they joined. And they can see the last two, three, four, five, six people that may have joined in this last week. If they knew nothing about that, they need to do something about that and make sure that doesn't happen again. There does seem to be a problem that Google used to notify us every time one of these emails, one of these people were pending. And it doesn't, the notice doesn't seem to be going out. I didn't, I haven't found out why that is. But you can find out what that is. Your ministers can find out what that is. The idea of seeking the kingdom is to seek a network, not just of people who love you and know you, but a network of people who love Christ. And Christ came that the whole world might be saved. Well, how are you doing anything to make that happen when you're just focusing on your own local little congregation? Or your own local little journey. You have to be thinking about everybody else with as much concern as you would think about yourself. Everybody else. Not just your little congregation. Every other congregation. You have to love them as much as you love your own congregation. When you start to do that, that flow of the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to flow to you in a greater, greater amount. And you will begin to see that which you did not see. If you balk at that with impatience, with slothfulness, you will see less. You will maybe have to study more, but you will see less. Because Christ came to give sight to those who would admit they do not see. They, they realize they do not, do not see. And he will take away sight from those who think they see already. This is built in. This is built into creation. So, a vain heart, a proud heart, is not going to have the humility necessary to open the doors of the kingdom. The reason you knock and the door shall be opened to you is because knocking is a sign of humility, of respect. You don't just barge in. You knock and you realize somebody else has the authority to let you in. If you don't knock, if you don't humble yourself, this is why it is so important that you do not create a welfare system based on entitlements. 
Because entitlements say you're entitled to this welfare. You're entitled to this $1,200 stimulus check. You're entitled to these benefits. Well, if you're entitled, there's no reason to take off your hat and ask. That's why it says, ask and you shall receive. Asking is a humble uh, event and process. A humbling process. Because you have to ask. You have to take your hat and your hand, figuratively speaking, and ask and realize they don't have to give to you. That if they give to you, that's the, that's the grace of God coming to you by way of them. So, if you're not humble, but vain, not forgiving, but judgmental, not sacrificing, but willing to take to receive for yourself rather than give to others, you can't find the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom. You can't understand that the kingdom is there. And so, you, you won't even see it. I just was listening to somebody who came back from a, uh, a protest. I think protesting the lockdown and that sort of thing. And they were noticing that, that people, and they were talking about other people, you know, worry about wearing masks and, you know, the COVID, COVID. It has a huge survival rate. There's, there's not near the deaths that they said. And we went over some of that this morning, so we won't go over it. But this, this is a part of the strong delusion, but it isn't the worst of the strong delusion. The worst of the strong delusion is that a lot of people think they're saved already. Because they thought a thought or said a phrase. Christ was clear, that's not what saves you. It, it's doing the will of the Father. But you won't even know what the will of the Father is if you don't do the will of the Father with what you do know about. And what you do know about is, he said, not to be like the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. You know, the governments of the other nations who are benefactors, but do so by taking away from their neighbor, exercising that authority. You can't, you can't desire to be that way and find the kingdom. If you think that's okay, you have need of repentance. So, this is, you know, we know that that's a big transition from what to to seek the kingdom and start taking care of one another entirely by faith, open charity. That's that's no easy task. That that's a big leap, and I'm not asking anybody to leap across that chasm with one single jump. But Christ didn't either. He said, you know, there at the festival that they were at, probably tabernacles out in the based on the fact that grass was not actually green. The word there is like yellowish. It, it's in the fall. And uh, they were, they were the apostles were short on food, and they said, you know, we need to go and buy some more food because we don't have much food. And Jesus said, make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And they did, which took a little while. And then he said, what do you got left? A few loaves and fishes. He says, take it and give it to the people. And then, lo and behold, they had more. Now, we're led to believe that it disappeared out of nowhere, but I believe that it appeared because at the Feast of Tabernacles, you were not to leave the Levites, the ministers of your kingdom, the voluntary 
public ministers of a government that operated by faith, hope, and charity because there were no forced offerings. That was condemned. The idea of forcing an offering, taxing the people with a forced offering, punishing them if they don't give you enough, that was absolutely condemned by Moses. That was condemned by John the Baptist. And it was condemned by Christ. Now, you can do that. And if you're in a, such a system, I'm not telling you to cheat on your income tax. You're in that system. That's the unrighteous famine. That's the wealth that is entrusted in your treasuries to take care of the needy of your society. It's collected by force, which makes it the Corbin of the Pharisees. Which we, we talked about this morning and often talk about. But it changes the nature of society, which we also talked about this morning. And explained in great detail that we're not the only ones who discovered this. It was known well before John the Baptist. Well before Jesus Christ preached it. It was certainly known by Moses. But it wasn't known by Jews today. It's right there. Thou shalt not covet as thou shalt not covet. But how many Jews today are dependent upon welfare systems that are run through governments who exercise authority. Even even the nation that calls itself Israel over there. Heavy progressive income tax. Saul just had one time he forced an offering to finance his army. One time he did that. And Samuel said, your kingdom will not stand. Israel over there does that all the time. Heavy progressive income tax. Just weights and measures. No, they... They don't even have clad coin like we have here. They have paper notes, a heavy Federal Reserve system. All that was condemned in the Old Testament. But it's okay with them. They're not following the Old Testament. And unfortunately, the Christians aren't following the New Testament. And in reality, the Old and New Testament were the testaments of the same God. They are the two witnesses that have been butchered in the streets. And we come along and show you what they actually meant. We show you what the altars of clay and altars of stone were. That they were systems of social welfare that operated entirely by free will offerings. Just like in the New Testament, the Corbanus, the taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, was entirely done by charity. It used to be that way in America. It used to be that way in the world. It isn't that way anymore. So you are now blind. And you are electing blind guides. And you are not repenting. And you are not seeking the kingdom of God, nor the righteousness of God. You're seeking the rewards of unrighteousness. Now, I know many people are saying, I don't want the benefits of that system. I don't want to take from the government. And that's great. But do you want to become the benefactors of righteousness? You want to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start learning. Start out small. Start learning to take care of one another. To establish a system of charity to look to. And, and a, a network that reaches beyond your little congregation. Beyond your little town. Beyond your state. Beyond your country that knows no borders. I tell you, there's a reason we're spread out. That when we really start doing this in earnest, by the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and hundred and forty-four thousands, you will be a force in the world, or a source of a force in the world, 
that the Klauses and uh, Soroses cannot deal with. And they will want to come against you and destroy you. They will want to oppress and uh, violate your rights. But when you're fully invested in the kingdom of God, they would have to violate the rights of God. You have to, you cannot just play at religion. You cannot just recite your catechisms. You have to care about others. And so, you know, I say to all the elders, which are every member of every congregation, the heads of every family is an elder. We don't appoint elders. That's an office of the family. That means the oldest head of the family. Somebody asked way back at the agreement conference in Colorado, said, uh, what if the head of your family is not the man? It's the woman. (laughs) And I thought... I thought it was interesting question. <laughs> I says, well, and but if you actually think about it, there could actually be a way in which that was true, and rightfully true. Evidently, I I believe that he probably had some things that he needed to work out, and that it certainly was because that you know, his wife had been abused by an overbearing father, and uh, maybe even abused by other men. I don't know, and. They lack forgiveness, so they could not conform to the natural order of things. And, of course, the real man who is in charge in his family, he's making all of his decisions, sacrificing himself daily for the protection of his family and for the well-being of his family. He's not some egomaniac trying to shout down his wife. He would never do that. Never have an argument where he's yelling and screaming at his wife and cussing and swearing at his wife. He would never stoop to that because he's a real man. That isn't what he does. But, evidently, they had some problems. But the reality is, forgiveness works. It will release you from that confusion. But how could you have a situation where the woman was the elder of the family? Well, they could have all girls. And the husband could have had an injury. Could have had you know, a tree fell on his head or a piece of machinery fell on his head. And he found it difficult to make decisions found it difficult to understand things. Maybe he was even in a coma. Does the family lose its representation at the table of the kingdom because the husband is in a coma? No, absolutely not. But people who balk at that and say, oh no, a woman shouldn't be exercising authority. Nobody in the kingdom is supposed to be exercising authority one over the other. Christ already made that a foundational rule of the kingdom. You are not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. You are to be as a servant. So if a woman came to the table as a representative of their family because of whatever reason, she's not voting on whether other people get to share in things. She's not voting on whether other people get to do things. She's just coming there to represent her family and say that we have enough or we don't have enough. Or we like to help. She gets to decide how much her family is going to give. Or how much her family is going to keep. Back to Lady Godiva. Lady Godiva was wealthy. One of the wealthiest women in England. She was 
the only woman, I think, mentioned in the Doomsday Book, which was the catalog of all the lands of England, brought in by William the Conqueror, which we we explain what that's all about. But the point is, she was wealthy. Her husband had died, but she married another man who was a Norman. He has no right to her wealth, according to the laws of England. It's still her wealth. Now, he may help manage it. But if she has children, it doesn't go to his kids by a former marriage, if he had any. It goes to her kids. Because she is representing that family. But she chose to take her wealth that he had no control over and give it away rather than tax the people to fund the church. And he thought that was so wonderful, he did the same. They were wonderful people and nobody rode through town naked. And you can go read the story by going to hisholychurch.org, looking up Lady Godiva, or looking up uh, uh, the book, The Free Church Report, and find out why her picture is on the cover of The Free Church Report. (laughs) And then we'll explain what that was all about. The whole story of the naked writing, that was invented a hundred years after her death. And there's a lot of historians who agree to that. There's some that still balk because they want to see, you know, paintings of naked women on horseback. But anyway, that's, that's just the human nature. But if you, if you read that story, you can start to see what the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ. It's supposed to be, the church should be wealthy. But it should be laying down its wealth to Make you stronger. Make you healthier. Make you wiser. So that's, they should help you out in a way that strengthens the poor. The social welfare, the guaranteed salary and the guaranteed wages, it will not make the poor stronger. It will make the poor weaker. Somebody was just talking about the number of people that sit around and they, they, they smoke dope and they lose all incentive and they, and don't get anything done, or they're out there in a lot of these protests, a lot of the Antifa, they actually are from wealthy families where their parents have spoiled them. And now you want to follow the ways of Klaus? I don't want to pick on Klaus, but he's the only name I can remember. He's <laughs> you listen to him, and it sounds like a 1944B movie about Nazis taking over because he talks with his heavy German accent. But if you actually listen to what he's saying, yeah, they are going to be the fascists. They are the the supposed democratic socialists. They couldn't win the vote without the pandemic, but that's what they're doing. They're undermining the liberty of choice, trying to make you think that democracy gives you the choice. But they're controlling the mob. They're controlling the minds of the mob because they're controlling the lips of the media. And you're in a lot of trouble. But all that danger, all that that you could be afraid of can go away if you simply repent and put the full armor of God on. Do what Christ commanded. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. It will begin to open your eyes. But here's the drawback. When your eyes begin to open, you will get to see yourself. If you turn on a light, 
light, you can see your own failings, your own frailty. Like Luke Skywalker going into that uh, dark areas, he, he said, he says, you, there's nothing in there. Everything you, in there you take with you, you when you go in. All his fears, all his anxieties, he was taking them in with him. And deep down he, he feared that there was more Darth in him than he realized. And he, he sensed it. But he didn't understand it. At least as the story goes. Well the reality is you all have to face that story. Moses had to face that. When Moses killed the taskmaster, he realized he was becoming a tyrant. He was already the rightful heir to the throne of Pharaoh. He was the son of the queen. There was nobody else to take the throne but him. He was the only one. And he was the rightful king. But when he left, some clever guys, uh, you know, Egyptian George Soros's, <laughs> they picked somebody else, somebody they could manipulate, who was the illegitimate daughter, or the illegitimate son of a uh, prostitute, concubine, that was that the illegitimate groom of uh, the uh, daughter of the pharaoh was supposed to accept as her husband. But he was never a husband. They never had children together. But he went and fathered a child with a prostitute and made her his concubine. And his son, Tutankhamen the third, And... That was the rival that Moses had to deal with when he came back and said, let my people go. You keep the stuff, just like Abraham, but let the people go. Now, the people could go back to the Pharaoh, or they could go with Moses. And many Egyptians left with the Israelites. So much for bloodline. They left with the because the bloodline is the bloodline of faith, the bloodline of Abraham, the bloodline of those who will step out in the adventure, in the wilderness, to live by faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and fealty, which comes about when you make covenants with men who want to exercise authority one over the other. When you desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor and are willing to uh, receive them by habit, by the rule of force. If, if you're thinking that's okay... You're not thinking Christian. And I don't know how many different ways I can tell you. I'm looking at the clock. Uh, you can go to preparingyou.com. Join the network. First thing to do. And all you PCMs and contact ministers out there. You need to let them on right away. Don't leave people sitting for weeks and months. And you need to check it. or Somebody needs to find out why those notices aren't going out. I used to get them all. But I wouldn't let people on because I was leaving it to the pastors and the, I say pastors, the personal contact ministers and ministers to let them on. But I've noticed that I wasn't getting the notices recently. And uh, so anyway, when I went on, I found out that it, maybe everybody else is not getting the notices. So anyway, we need to solve that problem. And I'm going to leave that to you to solve. I went and put in welcome messages on all the groups so that people would receive a welcome message when somebody did let them on. I let on all the ones I saw that had been waiting, some for weeks, some for months. 
But that's going to be up to you, and I'm going to send this program out so that everybody can listen to it. And uh, you ministers need to rebuke one another, and you lovers of the truth need to receive that rebuke. And you need to find out what the problem is, and let's solve that problem. And all you elders, heads of families, and individuals seeking the liberty of God need to realize that the kingdom is elder-driven. It's the Spirit of Christ in you that's going to make... We're not going to be your rulers. We're not going to make you do this, that, and the other thing. We are going to say that we require that you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands if you want to be a part of our daily ministration. Because that's what Christ said. That doesn't limit. We can take what we are given and share it with those that are not in the network. But we don't have to. We can do it according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And it's up to you elders to decide who is the best minister that you want to contribute to. But you can't contribute just to one minister. From the beginning, when people wanted to gather, I said you gather with the ministers of your choice and you give to them. Ten families. You start getting twenty, you get a dangerous problem. You should split into two separate groups. You keep that autonomy of choice where people can make that choice wisely. Now, that minister, he can give to his minister, and that minister can redistribute to other ministers. This is the same way your body works, that when you have to run, capillaries will squeeze down and force force the blood to areas that need it more. And digestion stops, and then when you're done running, the digestion starts up again. The different parts of the body work Harder, receive more blood when it's necessary. In order to do that, you have the tens, hundreds, and thousands to feed the body of Christ. Not me. I'm not going to feed you from the top down. If I'm doing that, then the the power is from the top down. If you want the power to be from the bottom up, the bottom up has to take its responsible place in the body. It has to make choices. Because without choices, you just become a thing, a cog, a machine. We're a living, breathing thing. This living, breathing idea is spread across the whole planet. Everything is living and breathing. Can't find anything living and breathing on the moon. Can't find anything living and breathing on Mars. I doubt anything's living and breathing on Jupiter or Neptune. Or any of the other planets. And they can't seem to find any life on any other planets. Anywhere in the solar system or anywhere in the universe. I'm not saying there isn't. But it seems to be pretty darn rare. But it's not rare on this planet. But life follows the rules laid down by the Creator. The Ten Commandments. The Two Commandments of Christ are an expression of those rules. And even if you're a preterist, those rules will still apply today. And you need to understand that there is no escape. And we talked about that again this morning. In in, uh, nine days, we'll release this morning's program, but I may release this program as soon as I, I put it together and put it up. And hopefully we'll start releasing more things, but... You have to play your part in the network. Don't expect us to build it so that you can come afterwards. You build it, and we'll be there already. So, anyway, 
That's pretty much it. Go to preparingyou.com, join the network, get others to join the network, gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. If there's a congregation anywhere near you, join it, even though you can't meet, meet by phone. And as the numbers increase, split off into, like the process of mitosis found all throughout nature, every time you get 15, 20 people in a congregation, you become two congregations. Pick a new minister. He's not your ruler. He's just there to connect you with the rest of society. Bringing messages from the rest of society to you. He's the T-cell in your body. He hears what's going on and he shares it with you. Not dependent upon Google Groups. Not even dependent upon phones eventually. But dependent upon the Holy Spirit leading us. And showing us where to go. I mean, like Paul was blinded. Someone was led by the Holy Spirit to go see Paul. Because the real network, the the internet is just assimilation of the real network that giveth life. It's there already. Nobody's accessing it. It's like the Republic. The Republic is still there, but nobody's a member of the Republic. Everybody's members of the democracy. And they became members of the democracy to get the benefits. You want the benefits of the Holy Spirit. You have to start living a life as the Holy Spirit told us. How the Spirit of Christ told us. And you have to start living it with every breath you take in and every breath you breathe out. Because when you start breathing in the Holy Spirit, the breath you breathe out will become like a torch to the evil of the world. You'll be surprised how much power there is there. But until then, all I can say is peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.